Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Great, Ros, thank you very much indeed for, um, for reading. I'd love you to have that open, page 1109, uh, and we'll uh, make reference to that on this uh, unique Sunday. It's unique. I mean, there are certain things that aren't unique. There are certain things that are just wherever thus. Um, that is to say, whenever you announce that we're going to have a church picnic and a barbecue, it'll rain. Um, that's, that's, a, that's just a given. Actually, that isn't true. The last few Sundays, uh, the last few years, we've had a fantastic time. While it's on my mind to say, plan B is that we'll just basically, uh, we've got a little team, we're going to barbecue in the, uh, with the barbecues in the vicarage garden, but essentially I think we're going, to, we're going to be in here, I think the weather's fairly set in, but that, that's a, it's a win-win, because there's loads of space for kids to run around, and uh, don't worry if kids drop food and all that kind of thing, it's just a bonanza day for our dog. Uh, we... we <laughs> She doesn't know that yet, but uh, basically when the building empties, we just shut her in here for about an hour and she hoovers up. So it's, that's, don't worry about that. It's all taken care of. And I think Joe, my wife, towards the end, is going to come and give us some instruction on sort of what needs to be done to uh, just the logistics for bringing some of the stuff we've got set out there here. And all hands on deck, everyone joining, you're really welcome to stay and take part. So that's, sort of, that's picnic stuff. That's a unique thing. It's a unique day because the church worldwide is celebrating Pentecost. When, as God had promised long ago, we're reminding us through the prophets, people who could kind of see into the mind of God and foretell what God was going to do. And uh, the, the prophet Joel, for example, uh, predicting centuries before it actually happened that God was going to pour out his spirit, that the very essence of his life that we can know and experience, that opens, as it were, the, the eyes of our heart. That's a phrase that Paul uses. So that we, we really see... <laughs> 
we truly see real reality and true truth. And I guess it's that which, um, the, the, the outpouring of God's Spirit that inspired Paul, who used to be called Saul, I'm, I'm sure you know that, he, and he went around murdering Christians. But the outpouring of the Spirit transformed him so that he was able to see what God had done in creating, birthing, and, and growing the church. He began to see that the worship of God now was primarily focused amongst the people God had called. That's why he's able to describe here, as uh, Ros, Ros was reading to us, that people groups comprising the Jews, that's, I'm, I'm, when I'm talking about Jews, I'm not talking about a, a, a particular sort of political people, I'm talking about God's people, called uh, uh, through Abraham, the people of his name. And the Gentiles, people excluded from the promises of God through the people of Israel, the Jews. These people who'd been for centuries at odds with each other. God has done a brand new thing by the outpouring of his spirit. And he's created this new people, the church. The church is not the place where they meet. It's the confusion in our modern language. The church... It's the people who meet with God amongst them by his spirit. And Paul's trying to sort of, he's going from the familiar of uh, this image of the temple where traditionally God's people will have uh, uh, gathered to in order to worship. And he's going from what is familiar in the mindset of the people to something that is, that is new to them. He's trying to describe the reality now that the spirit has come and revealed all this. The reality of where true worship is. See, formerly, worship was in a particular building of bricks and mortar, the temple. And it was in a particular place on the Mount in Jerusalem. And you worshipped in this particular building, in this particular place, at particular times and seasons, and feast days and holy days. That's where we get our, the idea of holiday. There's certain days set aside when we put aside the distractions of life in order to focus primarily on God. And the pilgrims will gather to a particular building, this great big edifice, the temple, a particular place at particular times. And in one sense, we've inherited that rather unhelpfully. And so we, when we talk about church, we think of, can think of these bricks and mortar in this particular place in Parsons Green, and we go to it for an hour a week on a Sunday. That's church. And Paul wants to say, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. And, and our English sort of double use of the same word church is really unhelpful. This is just a building. We are church. And if I could pick you all up and, and transport you to the upper room of the white horse and speak to you there, that's where we'd be church. Or Starbucks or one of the cafes or Le Pain or outside on the green itself. We would be church, whether we had a building or not. The point being that wherever the church meets and whenever the church meets, be it a Monday morning or a Wednesday evening or a Sunday, be it in someone's home or be it in this place here, wherever and whenever the church 
people meet. Here is the guiding principle. The building in which they meet must serve the church and not the other way around. When we plant or set up new house groups, one of the things that I try and ensure is that the building, the house, the home, will serve the purposes of the group. Is there enough room? Are there enough chairs and seats? Can you host everyone in the group? Um, is there enough light for people to see the Bible? Does it, will it work? Will the building serve the people? We don't say, oh, well, we'll have to have a house group that's only four people in that place because the, the room won't take any more. That's ridiculous. That's the tail wagging the dog, not the other way around. And so this Sunday is unique for one other reason. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's raining on a picnic. But it's unique because uh, today we have set aside today to launch the plans that we've been thinking about and discussing in and PCC and uh, sort of prayer groups and so on. We had a big prayer meeting this last Tuesday. It's been undergirding the plans for the refurbishment of these bricks and stones and mortar. Because frankly, the bricks and stones and mortar that we have inherited here do not serve the purposes of our church. I, I'm not sure that this is the best way to configure a meeting like this on a Sunday morning with sort of serried ranks of incredibly uncomfortable pews with hideous lighting. And uh, all of you here, we're just about to pour lots of liquid down your throats and there's one church toilet. This building is not fit for the purpose of the church as we are. Will and Lisa will tell you there's a hundred plus toddlers that invade this place on a Tuesday and the amount of effort and energy it takes just to ensure that the current restrictions of the building are safe and yet we've got so many people who are longing to be blessed by God as his people meet together to bless them we need to reconfigure the building listen to uh, the same reading that we just had in the message version and then uh, just to unpack uh, the vision, I'm going to invite Will to come and speak uh, to it, just to add in some of the details that have arisen out of the prayer, emerge out of the prayer as we met together. But listen to what, um, uh, this is Eugene Peterson's translation of the same, the last bit of the passage that we've just had read. Um, he says, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation and now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God and all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. If you like, to borrow a phrase that Peter used in one of his letters, each of us are like living stones, building the temple of God. But the temple is not the, this, bricks and stones. The temple is us. And God is building us together. He's creating a thing of beauty, a place of worship, where he is quite at home amongst us, the people. And the issue is, and it has been for years and years, frankly, in this place, built in Victorian times, 125, 26 years ago, is that what was fit for purpose then, arguably, is no longer fit for purpose now. We, the living stones, are being restricted by these uh, passive, dead bricks and stones. And so the vision to renew 
this place. Uh, in prayer, uh, we believe that the, the, the sort of uh, vision statement, if you like, the, the, the kind of statement that God has given us to describe this refurbishment is living space, renewing God's home for Parsons Green. We want a building that's fit for purpose. We want a building where God is at home. As we seek to minister and worship him and minister to other people, as we seek to mission uh, and to use this place in a, in a multi-purpose way, maybe sort of different groups using it at the same time in different ways, to, to honor the space, but to allow for activity as well. Living space, renewing God's home for Parsons Green. But uh, as we've been praying into that, uh, we've kind of, there's a little bit of detail around that skeletal statement. And so I'm, I'm going to invite Will, if he'll come up now, and uh, speak a little bit to that. Great. Let me stand up here so you can see me. Can you hear all right? Thank you. <laughs> yes, living space, renewing God's home for Parsons Green. It falls to me really to report back on uh, what the, uh, the various different groups within our church family have been tasked with over the last few weeks and months which is to prayerfully consider what God might be calling us to do with these um, bricks and mortar, these stones that there are around us. And, um, and so what I'm offering you here is really uh, uh, the sense of where we are at the moment with the vision for what we believe uh, God is calling us to do here uh, in our generation at a time such as this. And to summarize it, we've, we've condensed uh, the various different senses that we've had as we've prayed and talked about it into this strap line, living space, renewing God's home for Parsons Green. And what I'll be doing is just taking those words and explaining what we really mean by them. Uh, it's a helpful uh, condensed form of the vision. So uh, living Here's some life going on uh, in St. Dionys. We can see our secret agents here um, dancing away, leading us in worship. And this is, a, this is a picture of life in our midst. We um, have uh, been, over recent weeks, been following a series on the names of God. And when we came to the, the central name of God, Yahweh, the Lord, we understood that this was uh, is an interpretation of a sense of God being the living God. And uh, those who were with us before would remember that um, I was telling the story of Jose Enriquez, who is one of the Chilean miners, stuck down a mine shaft for, I think, just over two months um, with a bunch of other miners. I think there were 33 of them, something like that. And they, they all um, gave each other tasks um, while they were planning how they were going to survive their time underground. And Jose Enriquez, being an evangelical preacher, was given the task of leading the community in prayer. And he said, okay, well, there's one condition, though. Um, I follow the living God. Christians believe in the living God. 
If you want to um, pray to a dead God, don't ask me to be involved. Just go and do that yourselves. But if you're willing to pray to the living God, then let's do it. And they said, fine, we'll pray to the living God. We'll pray to your living God. And so our dream, I suppose, is to see this building reflecting the fact that God is alive in our midst. And more than that, that through God's living presence amongst us, that life pours out of us too. Uh, Last week we were hearing from that passage that Tim just referred to, that we are living stones. We're being built into a metaphorical temple that go out from this building and come back. We are the church that goes out into the community and comes back with uh, breathing life into all that we come across through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at life for our community too. So living space, a place where God is seen to be alive and a place where the life that is within us is revealed too. And then on to space. Here we can see the, uh, the church building being put to use last year. Um, and um, with great, with a lot of work, the sort of pews were lifted out and moved to the side to make room for uh, this particular celebration. And today, I'm sure that we will um, experience some of the restrictions of the space on us as we seek to fellowship together, eating uh, food together as Jesus would have done with his disciples. There's a need we feel to reconfigure this space to make room to accommodate the life that there is um, within us as the community of God. So reconfiguring the space for life. Um, But more than that, uh, space represents a quiet time in our busy weeks. Maybe we discipline ourselves to come to church on a Sunday morning. Maybe we use the building at different times. But as we were praying, there was a sense that the building should retain a sense of being an oasis, a refuge for people, where the pressure of London life is to work flat out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Here we find space. We're reminded of the things that are important in life. We're reminded that God is the Lord of our life. And uh, the patterns and the rhythms of life take new form as we submit ourselves to a loving and living God. Um, I've put up here inverted TARDIS. It's a huge footprint, this building, um, but sometimes it feels quite restrained. Uh, Wouldn't it be amazing if the the sense of space hit you as you came in to uh, this house of God? Um, And so... There was a space that was versatile, as Tim was saying, that we could do different things in different parts of the building at the same time. So living space. And then renewing. The, uh, this building was built in 1885 in the Victorian times. And as you can see, there isn't uh, very much that's been done to it since. You'll be glad to know that uh, in recent years a new boiler was put in in the winter months. That's very handy. Some lighting has been put in, 
but as you can see, it looks a bit like it's been recycled street lighting for us and not much better to read things by. Um, this screen was put in uh, between the wars and it's a war memorial. That's the most visible thing, I think, that uh, has been done to the building since it was originally built. Tim has used the, the word fit, the phrase fit for purpose. We recognize, as we've been praying into this project, um, that we now live in the 21st century. 21st century worship is different to 19th century Victorian worship. The needs of our community as we seek to serve them are different today than they were back then. And the building needs to adapt um, to, to, uh, to show that as we may indeed give attention to our own homes. Perhaps some of you will have moved into a house at some stage where the bathroom was outside the kitchen because the kitchen was where you heated up the water to have a bath. And now, where we've got central heating and stuff, we think it's ridiculous to have to walk through the kitchen to go to the bathroom. No, let's bring the bathroom back into the house. Uh, near the bedrooms, perhaps. That might be a more suitable place for a bathroom. And so the needs of the 21st century, the, the possibilities that technology brings, mean that we reconfigure our homes to, uh, to accommodate 21st century life. Maybe we knock through walls because we can, uh, we can have bigger rooms because of the marvels of central heating. Um, so we reconfigure our homes. Why have we not thought about reconfiguring the church building in exactly the same way to accommodate 21st century life worship and service and so as we were praying the phrase came to mind that Jesus used of his ministry we need new wineskins for new wine as the gospel of Jesus comes to our culture as it came to his culture through his very incarnation the culture needs to adapt the frameworks of worship need to adapt to accommodate the new thing that God is doing. And so this building needs to accommodate the gospel, which is new in every generation. We need new wineskins for this new wine. So living space, renewing God's home. So we come on to God's. We'll talk a little bit in a moment about um, our sense that we would like to make the building more like a home. But that's not to say that we'll just put sofas everywhere, remove everything of the things of God from the building, and put, paint everything magnolia, maybe put some ducks on the wall uh, over, a, over a mantelpiece, or that we'll change the whole thing, we'll reconfigure it as offices and flexible hall space. No, it's very important for us that the worship of God is evidenced in the center of this building. Our lives are centered on the worship of God. Worship is at our heart in our very lives together. And we recognize that increasingly in the workplace. We're called to worship God in our work, in our homes, in our families. We look to enthrone God in our midst and equally in this building. We, would, we want to evidence the fact that God's worship is at the heart of this building. 
But more than that, that God extends a welcome to you and to me. And so this building as a reflection of God's gathered community should exhibit God's welcome. Do you sense as you walk through the door a sense of welcome to this building? I'm sure you do, if, especially if Alan is standing there welcoming you in because he's such an amazing, he has a, a gift for that. But does the building itself express a sense of God's welcome? You are welcome here. It's your home as well as ours. Let's reconfigure the building to make it a place of God's welcome and where um, 21st century worship is at the heart of uh, what happens here. Home. As we prayed, we we had a sense that our family was at the heart of who we are at St. Dionys. As we gather here on a Sunday morning, people from different walks of life, different age groups, um, gather together as family, whether we are uh, single or married, whether um, whatever part, stage of life that we're in, we belong to a family here. And so this building here represents a family home where we are built together as the family of God. And there was a sense as we prayed that there's a calling for us to demonstrate to incarnate, if you like, what family might look like for our community around us. A family home is part of the community. The community spills into the home and we spill out into the community. So we recognize our place, a particular place in this community. There's been a church here since the community of Parsons Green um, started. And we recognize our place within that gathered community. But a home as well is a place of nurturing and sending. As we were praying, someone had a picture of eagles. And there's a sense of eagles being a creature that where uh, both parent birds are responsible for the nurture and upbringing of the little chicks. They take it in turns. they, They take it in shifts. So there's a place for the mother and the father in the nurturing of these birds. But also, when the time is right, the parents kick the birds out of the nest and down they fall, flapping their wings wildly and flying or being caught by their parents if they're not quite ready yet. So the eagle picture for us is a sense of nurture, loving care, but also sending out into the world. And so this building represents that for us, a place where we can be nurtured as we um, encourage one another, give each other advice, hear the, the words of life that we find in the Bible, but also that we send each other out into the communities that we live amongst. And also a home represents for us something that is often handed down from generation to generation. And we have a great sense of responsibility as we recognize that the generations that came before us um, have not given very much attention to the building, albeit they were distracted by two world wars in the meantime and by very different pressures in the church as well. But maybe it's for us, for our generation, to give some attention to this building so that we can hand something on to those that follow after us. 
And finally, renewing God's home for Parsons Green. It has been said that the church is a great example of an organization that exists solely for the benefit of its non-members. An organization that exists solely for the benefit of its non-members. So we look as we seek to restore this building, not to make it more cozy for us, but to make it a welcoming place where people might meet God who, who we don't yet know. So we look for uh, the building to be there for others and useful and um, life-changing for them. Um, and not just for others, but also with others. This picture here is a picture of um, the Zebedee Nursery School and the children playing on the new AstroTurf that's been fitted out here. I think it was young Lucas um, who was out here um, playing on the new Astro AstroTurf for the first time and said, it's enormous. You can imagine Lucas, you know, for him this looked bigger than Wembley, you know, and I'm allowed to ride my scooter on it. And, um, and this is a little sign of the church working in partnership with um, the community, those parts of the, the community that we're in touch with. We recognize that the, the community itself are stakeholders in this building. If you imagine the schools that come and go, having assemblies in this building and other services, uh, the Mumbies group, the toddlers group that comes in the doors on a Tuesday morning, all the ways that we are seeking to partner with uh, groups in the community to build community, to bring life to Parsons Green. And the opportunities that face us, just to close here, we have a unique situation here at the heart of Parsons Green. We have a, a big space that if we harnessed it, would be a life-giving space for our community. So as we um, summarize, living space, renewing God's home for Parsons Green, we, uh, we prayerfully come to God and say, Lord, what would you have in mind for this building? And that's where we set out from now at the very start of this project, looking at the building here. And now Tim's going to come and talk to us about what happens next then. Well, thank you very much indeed. Um, not, not to say too much other than this has been on the PCC agenda for a few months now. We've been discussing and praying this as a PCC. There's a subcommittee of the PCC that is uh, the Living Space Committee, uh, and we've been sort of planning and thinking and consulting. There's a subcommittee of that subcommittee that is uh, looking at fundraising. And uh, where do we go from here? We want, what we've wanted to do... Uh, uh, last Tuesday as we were praying and inviting the whole church to pray. It was a wonderful time actually just listening to God um, f uh, and a real sense of you know, God just confirming certain um, images and pictures, the deep heart of his longing for this uh, building to be renewed to fit what he's doing amongst us in this community. Uh, we want to, so we, the launch today, we want everyone to be um, aware of what's going on. I'd love you to, to chit-chat this with... Um, friends and connections with St. Dinah's or even people just in the community maybe never come to St. Dee's but let people know what we're intending to do under God um, 
I'm going to give an opportunity in just a few minutes if there are any questions that you have immediately now feel free to, to ask them but just so you know uh, we are beginning to launch a, a really extensive consultative process we're going to all the different people who head up ministries be it the wonderful ministry of serving tea and coffee and aiding our welcome we will go to the people every single person on that team and say imagine we could we could you know build facilities again or renew the facilities what would you like can dream dreams We'll do the same with the mumbies. We'll do the same with the, the creche. And uh, do, you, do we really want, like dear Anna here now, do you want to march up and down in front of everyone? Is there a better place to house the creche? What would it look like? What would it need? Children's stuff. Alpha. Uh, midweek courses on marriage or parenting. Uh, the re- discipleship courses that we do. Ministry amongst the elderly and the housebound. Uh, every kind of thing that we do or are dreaming of doing, we'll consult and draw back to... to uh, put together a briefing paper that we can give to an architect. That they, these are the kind of guys who can do things that we can't do, but they need to know who we are, hence the consultative process. Then the magic of the architects is they begin to reimagine this place for us. And they'll say, um, well, you can do this for this amount, or you can do that for that amount. <laughs> and we'll get excited, uh, and we'll need to pray like mad. This is terrifying, really. We haven't got a bean to rub together. But the wonderful thing is that the Lord... All the silver is his and all the gold is his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, the, the church, as we currently configure, we don't have too much money, but the great news is that all the money is in your pockets and your, pocket, your friends' people's pockets. and So, so uh, we are seriously planning a, a, a sort of fundraising event on the 14th of October. That is going to be tremendously exciting. Uh, and this goes beyond what any of us can do in the human realm. That's why we, we, we're kind of walking in step with the Lord. We hope and pray. And why we need one another to encourage, to challenge, to hold to account as we plan forward. The, the fundraiser specifically in October to raise uh, sufficient funds, hopefully and some, but sufficient funds to afford a feasibility study, which the architect will do. Um, you know, what could we do? Are, are the, you know, the foundation's okay, the roof isn't falling down, all that kind of the boring but important stuff. So that we can then, with a solid platform, plan for what we feel the Lord is calling us to do here. Uh, that, that takes us up to October. I think we'll sort of pause there in terms of timeline. Uh, are, are there any, is there anything that we've communicated just now of this vision for living space? Anything that's not clear? Anything you want to ask? Anything on a point of clarification? There'll be lots of opportunity in the coming weeks and months to engage with the committee and the team and the PCC. But if there's anything right now If there are questions, just put your hand up, and then I can take the microphone to you. We won't leave it. Silence can be oppressive sometimes. So we won't leave it too long, and I'm very conscious with the picnic and the chat. There's an opportunity for, you know, things may emerge just over lunch. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, in which case, comes actually, can uh, those involved on the, either fundraising or the, the living space committee, you wouldn't just raising a hand. Or, or even just, why don't you just quickly stand? Just so you can see, is Sarah and uh, Sean and Harry and Fred is here. There are a number that are away. Will and myself. Uh, there's people like Faye and who else is on your committee? Quick, Faye, Katie, who's helping the groups. Sue Gayen is uh, away today, I think. Alan, who's at the back, is on the refurb. Lisa Leaf, who's with some of the children. So here, these guys here, Nobilus. Okay, over lunch. Um, let's, uh, should we pause there? Well, thank you very much. 
Oh, we need to pray, don't we? On Pentecost Sunday and with this vision for living space, renewing God's home for Parsons Green. Chris uh, Goodwin Hudson is a member of our church and uh, he is going to lead us in prayer now. In the words of the prophet Amos. He who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns deep darkness into dawn and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them over the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. Father in heaven, as we dwell on these verses, fire our imaginations, we pray. As we ponder the beauty of a flickering starlit sky or the unfolding wonder of daybreak, would these pictures act as a trampoline that we might soar into a mood of holy adoration? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory shine over all the earth. Now to the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Lord, as we offer our heartfelt praise, would you set our hearts aflame. Stir us up this Pentecost Sunday by your Holy Spirit. In your mercy, lead us to true sorrow and real repentance over the ugliness of our lives. We think for a moment of our insensitivities, of our meanness, of our irritability. Would we be truly sorry? Thank you that at the foot of the cross we can lay down the burdens of our sins and find them rolled away. Thank you, Jesus, that because of your death and resurrection we can live in the light of eternity. And would we be passionate in acting out this knowledge? So would we hold the things of this earth lightly Jobs, homes, and money, to name but three. Would we commit in our hearts to marvel at the heavenly treasures that you promise us in the next life and be ever more desirous of the spiritual riches that you long to bless us with in this life? Lord, we turn now to those of us who mourn and for whom the sweetness of your presence seems distant or doubtful. And we think particularly of the Stovill family at this time. Please help them and all that grieve to bear that sorrow and not to question your love. Because who else can we turn to for comfort but to you, O oh God? Speak your word of peace. Ease their pain and lift their darkness, we pray. Strengthen, we ask, the leadership team here at St. Dee's, Tim and Will and their families. As the writer of Chronicles proclaimed, in your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. We pray now that you would bless our ordained leaders with that divine strength. Equip them, equip them to take this church onwards and upwards into your plans. Grant us as a congregation the obedience and willingness to commit to and cooperate with Tim and Will 
their headship and their direction. And would they in turn be inspired by you and you only, infuse them with your spirit and his wisdom. And Lord, we think particularly of the plans we've just heard about to reconfigure the church's interior. Move us all in a meaningful way to know how we can contribute to this wonderful scheme. Challenge us to increase our faith and our giving, be that in time, talents, or treasure. And finally, as we take stock of this decrepit and crumbling and distorted world around us, a world in which dictators run amok and children cannot be left safely in the hands of their teachers, we take heart in the doxology of Jude 24. To him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, now and forevermore. Amen. We will now say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, we're going to um, sing our final song together.